I want to end season seven with Isaac being the drug kingpin of Brooklyn. That's so bad. That's so terrible. Why? Because, like, how many things must go wrong? How many things would have to go wrong for Isaac to they've be... Gotta, they've got to get rid of all the negative drug people. I don't know, Their man. go-to CI for Bensonhurst-related drug cases. <laughs> he could just be the drug kingpin of Bensonhurst. I mean, he is a man with small ambitions. Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi. Today we're going to be talking about the season finale, Charges and Specs. We've reached episode 22 of the show. Uh, we've reached the end of the first season of the podcast. And we're ready to go right into it. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about this in topics, like we used to. But before that, we should get the plot on the table. So this episode is about a case that has the potential to get Jake fired, and we know it gets him fired because he's fired in the first five minutes of the show. He is investigating a community leader called Lucas Wint, who's been being protected by uh, Deputy Police Commissioner Podolsky. With the help of Amy and Holt, he finds uh, evidence of corruption, but at Holt's insistence, he gets himself fired and then is approached by the FBI to be part of an ongoing sting operation against a crime family. He also spills his feels at Amy. Meanwhile, all things have failed for Charles Boyle. The wedding is off. He's Neo-style in the Matrix. And various people are trying to comfort him and mostly failing. Uh, Rosa and Terry make an especial effort to talk him through breakup management strategies the attempts basically physically destroy him. And at the end of the episode, Gina's plan ends up working. Gina's plan is to have meaningless rebound sex. I don't think Gina's plan was for him to have it with Gina. So Carl mentioned that we're going to be doing this a little bit differently than we usually do. If you guys recall, we earlier on in our podcast, we used to do these by topics. So just talk about like specific things in the episodes that we really liked and like kind of go meta into. We're bringing that back for Charges and Specs because... As you could tell, the plot lines interact and overlap a lot. Plus, one of the things we really want to get to is Season 2 spec at the end. Now, Season 2 spec, we are both very much like keeping up with spoilers and looking at the press releases and things like that. If that's not your jam, if you are all about being surprised, good for you. We will warn you when we go into spec, to spec mode, but, I mean, listen at your own peril. That's always the case. Yeah. Anything could happen. We're, we've gone rogue. Not unlike Jake and Amy. Not, not unlike Jake and Amy. So, this is a very good episode. We loved this episode. It, we watched it twice, back to back, the night it aired. Yeah, we were pretty we were pretty into it. How did we do that? I had an area subscription before the FCC shut down area. Oh, so it wasn't at the time illegal. Correct. That anyone knew of. It hadn't been deemed illegal at the time. Sweet. Go team. And so I had it on the my di- on my in cloud DVR, and we were able to watch it basically immediately after it aired, over again. Watching this back-to-back is an interesting experience because it's like an Ouroboros, in that this episode ends where it starts. Um, it's the kind of, you know, it's an old it's an old plot trick, but uh, this episode closes the circle on itself. It starts at the end and then gets to the end, which works very well. They are doing an interesting thing where 
they're managing expectations by showing you the surprise before it happens. And they did this before the episode even started. Like, we basically knew before the episode started that Jake was going to confess his feelings to Amy. They told us that. We knew he was going to get fired from the NYPD. They told us that, too. Okay, so about that confession thing, I thought they were faking us out. I've been saying in the last, like, three or four episodes of this podcast that every time they do something in previews, I'm like, no way they're going to do the thing I really want them to do. They're teasing. This is all a lie. It's an illusion. And I'm wrong every time. Why would they lie to us on the internet? Like, that doesn't seem to be in their best interest. Well, historically, like, I remember when I was in other shows' fandoms that the previews were always very misleading. And so I just go into all shows now assuming all previews are misleading. I forget that Fox tends to be a little more, like, like straight shooting. Yeah, Fox doesn't really have enough imagination to lie. We knew going in that Jake got fired. In fact, that was, like, that was, like, it was, like... That was the presser. Yeah! Like, the first line of the press release three weeks early or four weeks early or something was Jake gets fired from the NYPD. Yeah, and even all the previews were, like... In the season finale of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Jake gets fired. And he's like, he doesn't think. They didn't even pretend to lie. They didn't even pretend to obfuscate. They just went... There was some question over whether the episode would be about him reversing that firing. Mm. But that is not what happened at all. Mm-mm. So, what the other... The thing about this is, this episode was still really surprising. Like, it had a lot of things in it that were very like pleasing to the fans that we although it might all have been things they showed us like they showed us the bar dancing and they showed us it happening but like other things like we never get more than about five minutes of the episode ahead of time yeah between previews and sneak peeks and stuff but they spread it out so that we found out a lot of the plot we even knew like six episodes early that Boyle was going to have a drunken hookup like, we knew that mid-season. They, they told us in, I think, one of Melissa Fumero's interviews. Right. The season ended with a drunken hookup. No, they didn't tell us it was Boyle. They told us the oh, season Oh, right. They ended. told us it was going to end with a drunken hookup. Yeah. We and knew I just knew it was Boyle. <laughs> we, well, you and I had logicked it out to being, it must be either Boyle or Gina or Boyle and Gina together. Yeah. Yeah. Because we knew that, like... Nothing else would be surprising or satisfying. After the apartment, you were certain it was Boyle-Gina because of where Boyle and Rose's relationship had settled to. Yeah. It would have been a, a heinous betrayal of of them to to make it be Boyle and someone who wasn't Gina, specifically Rosa. And it's not going to be Amy because what the fuck? <laughs> the other thing that this plot does very well structurally is that it lets everyone in the cast go on a journey. Everyone moves through this, except, like, Terry, who's been on a journey all season and is helping everyone else out right now. Everyone else here is either going through a moment or completing a movement that they've been working on all season. And that's... It's difficult to do that in 22 minutes. Yeah. When we talked about the bet, we talked about the bet as season finale. All the points that we made there, I think, are still relevant here. Like they they did the... have to write this episode such that it would function as the last episode we ever saw. I mean, it would have been a terrible, like, last episode we ever saw. But, you know, so would any episode at the end of season one. They did a good job of making it feel like all the characters had come to the end of a journey. That's never more obvious than if you, like we did... 
finish the finale and then kind of go right back to the pilot and like look at who they are in the pilot versus who they are in the finale. Everything was different from if I have to do things his way, I'm going to do them my way (laughs) to I need you to trust me without any explanation. Every relationship that is explored in this episode is a callback to the pilot in a lot of ways and reflects a huge amount of movement. From Boyle and Rosa finishing the episode as as looking, I mean, they were deliberately teasing them maybe being the hookup. Like, there's a quasi-romantic element to their cheers at the end. But all throughout the episode, Rosa is the one trying to pull Boyle out of his, like, depression. Jake and Amy are not even remotely competitive or combative. And in fact, she tells Holt to step off and that she thinks Jake is right. She would never have done that anywhere before the bat. She wouldn't have done that before this episode. Like, she wasn't ready to. Like, think about the last time we saw them really interact. last time we really saw them interact was in Unsolvable. Right? And, like... Yeah, but when was the last time they were on a case together? The, the last time they were on a case together was in the pilot. Shit! Are you serious? I think. Like... No, they did Bro- Broken Feather together. Oh, you mean Jake and Amy? Yeah. I was talking about Jake and Amy and Holt. Oh, I'm sorry. The three yeah, of they, them Yeah, they've last been on a case together... They did Broken Feather. They were with Tactical Village, kind of. That wasn't a case. That that's just a plotline. Must be it. I think it was Broken Feather. So like February. Yeah. Jesus. Well, I mean, everything's been about um, Boyle's wedding. Yeah. This is all beside the point. There's a lot of callbacks to relationships that were touched on in the pilot, and the way that the relationships were structured. And how they've grown. It's it's extraordinary to see how much everyone has grown and changed in nine, eight, nine months. Mm-hmm. So what I'd like to do before we get off this topic, while we're still on like things that happen in the plot, is like I'd like to talk about a few favorite unexpected moments because there were things that were actually surprising in this episode, despite us knowing I mean, practically everything. Sure, yeah. Well, we knew we knew where the emotional notes were going to be, but we didn't know what they would be. Yeah. Let's talk about Isaac. He's my favorite. I am I am a permanent fan of Isaac, the drug dealer who loves dealing drugs. Drugs don't need he's pushing. He's surrounded they by three themselves. cops, and he's just like, drugs are the best. You don't understand. Drugs are so good, and anyone who is for them is a good person. This is my dream job, to push drugs. They yeah, I'm working with the NYPD, but that's because criminals made it impossible for me to deal drugs. Criminals made it impossible for me to be the kind of criminal I wanted to be. Yeah, so now I'm going to shut down the criminals, parenthetically, so I can eventually go back to dealing drugs. We talk sometimes about things we want to see come back in us, too. I know this is one of the people... I want Isaac to be a forever character. (laughs) He wants to deal drugs. They don't need pushing. They push themselves. People love drugs. It's so funny. It's so funny because it's, like, so unexpected. It's so great in a cop show to have, like, someone saying to cops, basically, like, drugs are things people like. (laughs) In a reasonable world, people like me would be, like, selling people drugs because they want to do drugs and I want to sell them to them. I just think that I think it's a statement against the war on drugs is what I'm saying. Okay. That's that's the end of of what I have to say about Isaac for now. Your turn. (laughs) Things that surprised me in this episode, how lovely Rosa and Boyle's friendship was. We got, like, a hinting of that in the previews and stuff. Like, we got the sense that, that their plot was together. But, like, 
I really liked watching her be like, I tried comforting him. I tried being there for him. I listened to him talk for 20 minutes about her lips. Two hours. Two hours. Oh, God. That is so much Two hours about her lips. That's real friendship. My God. The main thing was that he said ample, like, a million times. Apparently. Then he said it again. And, like, everyone's in dress blues for more than half the episode. I liked that. What I like about um, the way Rosa is being a friend of Boyle is how, like, totally protective she is of him when he's not around. Mm -hmm. And, like, rallying everyone Mm -hmm. to help him. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Mm-hmm. It's also much more rife for good comedy. Yeah, I feel like I, I he especially... sets his hand on fire, and then he's like, "Why is that hot? It's coffee." <laughs> Better question: Why does she have coffee at a picture burning? Because she needs to drink coffee. It's I'm... probably early in the morning. I mean, look, I'm not. I'm the last person. There to... should be water around, but <laughs> just in case probably... they don't have good fire safety. Is that the same? That's the same place where Holt burned the notepad. Yes. It's also the same place where Jake, like, where people smoke. Yeah. And he caught the pigeons there. (laughs) The line I really love is when she's done in the room where Skelly says that he doesn't have any breakup stories, but none of his kids speak to him anymore. (laughs) And he's really happy when he says it. Like, I can contribute. (laughs) And he can't. What was it you were saying that, or you were quoting, I think, Mike Schur and Dan Gore saying that uh, this, that Scully and Hitchcock are joke assassins? Uh, that was, that was Andy. Samberg? I think. Interesting. And yeah. Sam's. They, like, will just take a lie to just kill it out of nowhere. Shout out to Mouse Bitten, because I saw her having a conversation with somebody else, and she used the name Portmanteau and Sam's. I'm stealing that. I'm going to make it a thing. New tag. <laughs> New tag! For, for back in the field. Like, before we get out, the line I really like for that is where she turns and he just puts an A in his mouth and she says, oh, he's not even chewing anymore. (laughs) It's so great. The delivery is so amazing. I mean, there's all sorts of things. Like, um, what's up? Yeah. (laughs) The the face that Jake slash Andy Samberg makes there is the fucking same face you, me, our friend was making while watching that scene. We all, everyone made the same face. That everyone was into it. And it was all in response to the judge's face. Like, you can see her, like, all of the tension leaves her body. She she does the, like, feminine head tilt. Yeah, and, like, her shoulders slump and it's just, like, all of her defenses are down. Yes. She's signing the warrant. <laughs> it's probably bad how easy they got her to sign a warrant, but whatever. I just love, like, watching when, when he's, like, Captain Raymond's sex vibes <laughs> and, like, Amy in the back is just, like, beaming because she gets, I guess she got Jake's rendition of the moment. Yeah. <laughs> And then her being like, I get it. And she, he's like, ew. There's so much going on in that scene. There's so much going on in that scene. Oh, I love it. So much things were like, just really surprising. And sort of the best kind of comedy where it like catches you off guard and startles a laugh out of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it was full of... What's, what's amazing about this is that it's full of those moments. And all of the surprises are small surprises on the route to the explosion that we've already seen. They're all things that are happening on the way to an ending that is that is preordained. It which... was really about the journey and not the destination. Yeah. Yeah. I will say one of the things I was really glad that they didn't end up using was the pimp, my grandfather. Yeah, that's not a good line. Yeah. So should we give more context for that? Yeah, in one of the previews um, at the thrift store... 
I don't remember the context of this line because I think I threw it out. Of my, I mean, I remember the context. I don't remember the, the phrasing. It's right after they've walked out of the curtain, but before Jake comes in and starts dancing. He's like, he, I think he's looking in the mirror and he's like, oh, you know who I look like? And Amy goes, like a pimp. And he's like, I was going to say my grandfather. But that's, it's, it's rife. Oh, it's so... It's, it's rot. We, we've talked before about Amy having no good... This is, this is worse. I know. It, I'm glad they cut that just because the growth that she shows with Holt all through this episode would have been so severely undercut by that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's like super racialized. Yeah. By the way, lines that we really loved. Sir, I'm Amy Sashiroko and I have something to say. I think you're wrong. Hashtag catfuck. <laughs> and, and Jake's expression through that entire sequence. He's like, wait, what's happening? She's yelling, what? Why does she think he's wrong? The best, it's, you can see every line of his thoughts, like, on his face. He's, like, scared for her. He's like, oh no, what's happening? Oh my god, she's doing the thing. Let's save it. Let's save it for the next section. Yeah, let's save it. Or we'll, we'll save it. We'll bring we'll, it up we'll, later. We'll, it's coming back. It's I just, back. I get so excited about it. It's my Isaac. I'm sorry. <laughs> fine. I'm not sorry. I just thought about uh, Jake at the basketball game. Kobe! <laughs> <laughs> nothing ever good. Nothing good has ever come after someone saying Kobe. Kobe! And then it was, he's like, it was obviously goaltending. Yeah. Nah, bro, you're just short. You're really bad at basketball. We've never seen you interact with basketball in a positive fashion. We've never seen him interact with sports in a positive fashion. Yeah. In fact, apparently his only good sport is ballroom dancing. Yeah, I mean, he was shortstop on his little league team. <laughs> but that couldn't work out, did it? Yeah, yeah. I know we've been, like, touching on, like, great little moments and stuff, but I think, like, the overarching structure for this episode is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. We've talked before about how some of the strongest episodes are the ones where the plots touch or they even, like, interact a little bit. In this one... Uh, I think in the pre-show conversation, you basically say that like Boyle's plot gets fully eclipsed by the by the major Wint plot, but without going away, like it's the B plot of Boyle having heart feels can happen in the pauses for breath along the way of the main plot line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in fact, the plots basically intertwine after Holt tells Jake that he's going on inter- administrative leave and being brought up on charges and specs. Yeah. That's when when he's when he does the title drop, the the plots become one big plot line. Yeah. Yeah. And Terry <laughs> Terry's willingness to comfort Boyle basically becomes fuck that. We need you to distract everyone with your sad feels. <laughs> Lean We're into that. We're using you. <laughs> It's the same... Oh, God, that flashes back to the party so hard. I was about to say, that's exactly... Somebody put those gift sets together, and I was like, oh, shit. That's heartbreaking. It's amazing. Terry knows exactly what he's doing. Man, no wonder... There's Terry is truly the reason the precinct didn't go to shit under McGinley. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. He should be captain. He is clearly captain tracked. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to the next section, which is about shipping. Yeah. We we clearly are kind of headed that direction anyway. So many times the last few episodes, we've been like, yeah, Jake and Amy is happening. Let's talk about Boyle and Cheetah, which is insane because like it's happening very, very far in the background if they're thinking about it at all. And we're just like insane bloodhounds. <laughs> 
obviously you and I love Jake and Amy, and I don't want our audience to think that we don't. It's just that... They can do that mostly for themselves most of the time. I mean, the show hands us the meta for that relationship. That's 90% of what Jeff says. Exactly. I think there's enough conversation happening in fandom about Jake and Amy. In fact, you yourself said... That, that Boyle and Gina was going to happen in season two and that whether or not people wanted it, it was clearly obviously going to happen, like yeah. touched on. And people should be writing fic for that ship and getting in on the ground floor of that because it's going to be crazy. I, I think about ways to monopolize on holes in the market. It's kind of my job, fiction-wise. But that's the thing. I think you're right because I met with my, I met up with my parade Florgasm yesterday, and we were talking about BITF and we were talking about the show. And she straight up told me something that I have been suspecting with respect to the fandom, which is that I think a lot of people just straight up track or only really look at the Jake and Amy tag with the show. Yeah. Which go you, you do you. I don't give a fuck. But like, you're gonna have reason to care about this. Like, eventually, everyone's going to have reason to care about this. About Boyle and Gina. About Boyle and Gina. Yeah. I agree. I think that's the reason we end up not giving Jake and Amy a ton of dedicated focus time. We did in Broken Feather. Yeah, and we do when something really new happens. And we're going to here. Yeah. Like, the real point of this is to say, like, this episode, we're going to talk about Boyle and Gina a little bit. And then talk about the actually important ship this episode. Right. Well, this is the ship-making episode. Yeah, yeah. Like. <laughs> so we're gonna. This is the celebrate. <laughs> this is the equivalent of them, like, being like, and champagne bottle, bon voyage, right? Bet you didn't expect that. <laughs> no, writers, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect it, and then the previews made me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, this, another reason why we talk about this so much is I am hugely... Uh, self-congratulatory about having been right. About where their ship would go? <laughs> about Boyle Gina being Oh, the yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. That's a huge... Of course you're allowed to brag about guessing it. Carl was telling me... You guys, this episode aired at the end of March. Carl and I were talking about Boyle and Gina... In like January, February. Something like that, yeah. Six episodes ahead of time. Hands down, at least a month and a half in advance. Yeah. Without question. And up until then, like... We found a huge amount of evidence, but it was a secret. Like, it could have meant anything. They, we, we backtracked. We, like, yeah. in, we found breadcrumbs along the way. One of which being the fact that they darkened Gina's hair in the party and had it consistently dark, fairly dark. It lightened up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, later, I remember it was, like, May, maybe? And you were like, oh, they darkened her hair so that we would get faked out into thinking it was Rosa. Like was that uh, that hair was in the preview, right? No, no, okay. no. The the end sting was nowhere in okay, any of the cool, previews. Cool. It was a true surprise. Yeah, uh, unlike any of the Jake and Amy plot. Yeah, we're gonna do the Boyle Gina thing. Then we're gonna talk about Jake and Amy. And they get a, we have a huge amount of notes for them. So yeah. rest assured, fandom, we're here for you. But to get there, you still have to. Get on board the ship that's driven by Captain Carl and Captain Arthi. Mostly Captain Carl. I'm the bosun at best. So let me fire the first salvo. If you stare off into the distance thinking about someone and say eggplant emoji, you're probably hot to trot. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing Gina Linetti does in this episode about Charles Boyle. Mm -hmm. She's thinking about Rosa getting with him, but I'm pretty sure that's how she would express affection for anyone. Imagining someone hate-fucking them. There's less lead-up in this episode, like, up until the end, right? Like, she is the one who keeps saying that someone should have rebound sex with him, right? (laughs) Yeah. And, like, 
that is a huge Chekhov's gun. But, I mean, you don't think it's gonna be her, unless you're us, because she spends this entire episode being this weird indecipherable internet void <laughs> by talking mostly in emoji. She's weirder in this episode than normal. She, like, stares someone in the eye and says winky face emoji. She, she becomes fandom in a person. Yeah, she becomes Twitter in a person. Yeah, accurate, <laughs> accurate. I mean, that's Chelsea Peretti to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> I like her so much, and, like, I hate to, like, dismiss her like that, but her comedy persona is basically Twitter and a human being. Yeah, which is a good thing to be. Oh, it's I'm, 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 I'm in, I'm in, We're into I'm it. on board with Twitter. <laughs> the main reason that it's a little uh, quieter is that this episode is trying really hard to fake us out with Rosa. Yeah. It's trying so hard. Like, Gina is telling Rosa over and over again to sleep with Boyle. And they even do the conversation at the bar at the end where they're like... The reason I've never had a bad breakup is because I've always dated jerks that I broke up with first. Right. Nobody's sweet like you. That was a little too obvious. Yeah, I hate... I kind of hate them for that. That they were trying that hard? I kind of hate that they're trying to leave that door open. I remember you and I, when we were watching this the, it live in f- the first time, you and I saw that scene and we just looked at each other and we just shook our heads. We looked at each other and we went, mm-mm, no. That is not an okay thing to do. I know. You promised us. Right? But at the same time, like, knowing that the context of it is not is, is aromantic, it, it makes that almost, like, kinder. Rosa has always been consistent about being like, look, you're sweet, and that's always been her opinion about him. So when you take it in the... And I mean, that's her opinion about herself. I'm a very sweet person. I can apologize. Like, when How you, is that her opinion of herself? She says that to Holt explicitly. I know, but how could she believe that about herself? I guess she is actually pretty in, sweet somewhere under there. She's but. in a book club. She's yeah. clearly got multitudes. A lot of unsweet people are in book clubs. I was an English major. English <laughs> Being an English major is just book club training. <laughs> Book clubs, I've never been in one, but if they're anything like English class, which I am clearly assuming that they are, they're just fucking bloody battlegrounds. <laughs> She's in a book club so that she could destroy fools. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, okay. Either but, way, Rosa's multitudes, and one of those multitudes is apparently her being sweet. But in that scene, that starts with Boyle saying, well, here I am. I guess I have to make the best of it. You'll never be Jake or Vivian, but you'll have to do. <laughs> right? They're trying. They're definitely trying. They're playing that hand too hard. Yeah, they're trying to take us out too hard. I know. It's one of those moments where, like, in the moment, the first time, I, I hate myself for falling for it. But, like, at the same time, like... We were going, please don't, please don't, please don't. Right? And we were also... But, like, now that I've watched it a few times and I watched that scene, knowing that it's a fake... Like, taking it fully at, like, what I think it's supposed to be in-universe, it's a good friendship moment for them. It's a really good friendship moment for it's them. It's still a little hard for me to watch. Like, it's... I'm not going to pretend it's not uncomfortable because we know what they're going for. Yeah. But if we go death of the author here... Well, I mean, the why it's hard for me to watch is, like, I can, I can see the possibility of Boyle, you know, partway drunk already, mischaracterizing that. Like... Weeks or months later. I agree, but I think, like, I think, like, it's a credit to where their relationship is now that it, that he, it's kind of obviously he doesn't. Yeah. Because he goes on with Gina. I mean, one thing that this episode makes clear is that neither of them, we both believe that's what they wanted. 
but in in the cold light of morning, they are terrified of what they've done. Save the rest of that for S2 spec. Okay. Okay. What were the two predictions that we both got right? We There were two solid this, predictions. This was one of them. Yeah. What was the mine? The other was that... I, I thought that we predicted that they that he was going to confess. Is that's not a, a that's not an exciting prediction though, right? Like, did have something to do with Podolsky? I know what it was. What? I predicted that the reason he was going to confess was because of whatever got him fired. Yeah. Yeah. So I was right. Mm-hmm. I call I called the. We knew that he was going to. They were going to have a conversation. It wasn't clear that it was going to be a confession of feelings or if it was just going to be like like a heart to heart between partners. Yeah. Um, because we had... I think you called it as a sort of, I don't know what's going to happen because I'm going on a, on assignment or something. Yeah. I think I called... I didn't call that it was an F- undercover FBI assignment. Yeah. But I called that, like, whatever circumstances... Oh, you called it as, I might not ever see you again, so I've got to get this off my chest. Yes! And I was right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being super proud of myself for that. And, and, and I'm glad... First of all, I'm glad you and I got our predictions fucking right. <laughs> they were like the key predictions too. Yeah, yeah. Those were the biggest takeaways from this episode. I mean, my takeaway from this episode was how amazing it is to while everyone else is going, who slept with whom? I was going, my ship sailed. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're still waiting on Skullcock. Uh, they're not my real ship. They <laughs> happened like 20 years ago. Yeah, accurate. Like they're they're in like a four person polyamorous situation. It's stable. I mean, we... There, <laughs> There's also a dog. Scully met his wife in after she walked out of an orgy. Yeah. So, it's yeah. possible. It's it's likely. They're from the right generation for it, too. The whole mm. swinging thing. Maybe. I mean... Let's move on. Yeah. So, Jake and Amy, um, I kind of want to walk through basically every scene they had together. Alrighty, then. So, um... Well, actually, can I, can I be shallow for a second? Yeah. For multiple seconds? The, the, uh, in the first, after the cold open, the first scene we see after the credits is Jake walking in being like, what you're about to see is terrifying. Just stay calm, everyone. And be, he's, be kind to him. He's going through a rough. Yeah. He's got a, he's got a shoulder bag that we've never seen before. Well, his previous laptop bag w- was destroyed. <laughs> got a hole and, like, lost the cord. And the cord but where was the, but that was, like, so many episodes ago. Yeah. That was the party. Yeah. Yeah. And we, he, I guess he never took his laptop home after that. I like shoulder bags. I love shoulder bags, but that's the first time we saw that shoulder bag, and I was like, oh, looking like a man. <laughs> Look at you. Like an adult. Adult. <laughs> the beauty of being an adult <laughs> is that you get to buy nice shoulder bags. Anyway. Alright, that's all. That was that was my shallowest thing. Also, everyone in dress blues was really exciting for me. It was just nice to see everyone like with the hat and their gold shields and I think you like dress blues more than I do. I do. I don't think it's a very good look myself. I like uniforms. Yeah. Well I'm a little into that. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. So the first time we see them interacting one-on-one is when they're both, like, on stakeout, I guess. And she doesn't know what stakeout they're on. <laughs> she thinks it's one thing and it's another. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I I was... So you and I had talked a while ago. I guess we're just going to cut in and out of this. But, like, the scene right before that whole tells Jake to drop the investigation against Wint. Yeah. And Jake self-dismisses himself. Yeah. Which, fine. 
but we've we've talked a little bit about Podolsky and his like level of corruption. Yeah. And I think at one point our conversation was something like, well, he's clearly in on it with Wint. And I was watching this episode with an eye for that. I actually don't think he is. I think he's just going for the PR community relations angle. I think that he is covering for Wint. I don't think he knows why. I don't think that he's like getting kickbacks. I don't think he cares why. Which is almost as bad. Like, I think that he responds to these allegations from Jake Peralta as, you know, whatever. He's still got a good faith in the community. So it doesn't really matter if he's, if he's like, selling drugs. Maybe. But like, money. but, like, I think, the reason I think that is not just because of, not just because of what Podolsky says, ex- like, literally in the scene in Holt's office, but the scene with Amy in the car, Jake says that the reason he doesn't trust Holt, even though Holt's the executor of Amy's will, <laughs> oh, Amy, is because, um, is because, uh... She has a will. <laughs> To be fair... She should have a will. What Jake says to Amy in there is Wind has too many connections to City Hall for Jake to believe that Holt would put his command on the line. I think Podolsky's in the same boat. Wint may or may not be his like close personal friend or whatever, but he's a major player in the Park Slope Brooklyn community, and he's got a lot of ties to people high in the NYPD f- chain of command. Whether or not Podolsky is one of those people kind of is not relevant. I don't think Podolsky is actually taking kickbacks. Everything Podolsky says is purely from a PR perspective. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just think that whatever the reason, he is Wint's shield. And he's put himself in a position where Wint knows he can rely on him. Yeah, because Wint files a complaint directly with Podolsky that yeah. Peralta's been harassing him. Yeah. Okay. So that scene in the car, the rest of that scene in that car... Amy says, I, I'm glad I'm never going to have to deal with that ever again. I think she says, I hope I never have to go through a bad breakup again. And Jake just looks at her and says, you really think you're going to spend the rest of your life with Teddy? It's one of those reserved moments, but he seems more, like, resigned yeah. than anything. Because he, he's basically like, well, I guess... That's not going to be a thing that ever happens with me. Yeah, that window is not only shut, it's locked. Yeah. It's triple pane and locked. And her response is, what? No, (laughs) maybe? Because it's been like a month and a half. Yeah. They've been dating for four episodes. Right, but Jake's worst breakup is still Jenny Gildenhorn. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't had a real relationship since, like, his bar mitzvah. (laughs) That was 20 years ago. Yeah. God. I mean, we've talked before about how, like, we hope that he had a real relationship with that girl who was the teacher's daughter. Hopefully. They might have had an amicable breakup or something when she went to, like, Stanford or something. But Or he broke up with her. It may have just be that he's been the one who's breaking up with these people. Yeah. Maybe. And that would make sense. But, I mean, that moment is... It's about him getting ready for something that, like he's not ready for and neither is she she does not know Teddy well enough to commit to the idea that she might marry him they went on five dates last year and they've been dating for like six weeks this year yeah like th- but there's that bit right after where he's like okay it's wind get down and she's like what <laughs> 
But she's like not even that mad because he goes, apology, apology accepted. He doesn't even say, I'm sorry or I apologize. He just says the noun, apology. <laughs> and she just looks at him and he goes, apology accepted. And just keeps talking. I don't know if that's about her being mad or not, though. No, it doesn't even matter. It's just such a great, like, think about think about this compared to, and this is my partner, Detective Terrible Detective. <laughs> But still, that's just about how Jacob characterized the situation. True. But the thing is, she she doesn't even, like, get that mad when he pretends to be blind. She's kind of watching it like a deer in the headlights. But what's really telling is that she comes back to back him up afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, in, the, in Holt's office, she backs him up. She says that she thinks he's making the right decision. She says this to Holt. Yeah, she has no volume control. <laughs> Well, she's clearly, if you watch her in that, she's like, you can see her kind of like... I am killing my career. I will never have a mentor. Right? She can see what she's giving up here. And what's really beautiful is Jake's facial expressions. Like, Amy's, like, terrified shouting is lovely. But Jake's like, wait, oh my god. I think that might be why he is less guarded with her for the rest of the episode. Because, like, he flirts with her and stuff. Combine the fact that her response to, so you think you might be with Teddy forever, is, what? No, maybe? With the fact that then she challenged Holt on his behalf. It's not actually a sign that a reasonable person would take. But it is, I think, cause for him to have more hope. I can see that. Because I've been there. I mean, I have. Like, I've been open about the fact that I pined after a guy for a long time. Small things like that add up to a lot when you're sort of stuck in that mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things that are just otherwise collegial take on more significance. The scene after that, note that Holt says you, Jake, can no longer investigate this. And so Amy... <laughs> Amy, Amy does it for him. Yeah. And he trusts her too. Yeah. Like he trusts her to take it over and like deal with his confidential informant. But it sounds like she surprised him a little bit too by yeah. taking it on herself. He doesn't even say, I asked Amy to, or anything like that. He's like, I didn't find this guy. Santiago did. By the way, can we talk about how Holt's favorite breakfast is, in fact, a plain bagel and a bottle of water? It might be that he's just not willing to have that fight right now, but it could actually be his favorite breakfast, which... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and also, like, the reason that his favorite breakfast is that is because he's now lactose intolerant. He's been, but yes. Yeah. He's been lactose intolerant for a long time, and he used to like cream cheese, cream cheese on his bagel. And now he just has to deal with just having a bagel. Yeah. Oh. She is writing his energy for the rest of the episode, and that's clear here, too. Like, mm-hmm. her, her saying that her, like, internal GPS has been recalculating for weeks. She says that in a kind of, like, excited way. Is it weeks or a week? Cause or a, she's a week. Been, a week. Yeah. She's been going rogue with this for about a week. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a very bantery, in-on-it-together energy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially when the three of them are in the car together. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think, deliberately framed to reflect the ending of the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. But reversed, because now Jake's in the front of the car. Yeah. There have been some good drift sets comparing those two. Uh, I think Brookheimers has been making most of them. She did, like, a four-month, every-day-one-Brooklyn-Nine-Nine gift set. Or, like, Image Manip or something. Nice. Not manip, uh, edit. And then, like, the entire second half of the episode is, like, they're dancing and... <laughs> right? There's they're... a dress. <laughs> Can we talk about the mermaid line? Go for it. Because, so I love that line. 
And I think it was Falulatong's Gado and Lara 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 who were talking about this. And I think it might have been Rachna who said that the line I think was supposed to be teasing, but it came out too sincere. And so they both just ended up looking at each other. He was trying to tease her. Then he was like, what happened? What came out of my face? <laughs> I got to go. And she's like, what are you doing? I think, yeah, like, it, it it was supposed to be like, she looked like a mermaid. And it came out, you look like a mermaid. <laughs> and and she's like, what what did you just say to me? We, we uh, help. <laughs> I, she's literally just like blue screen of like, what is even happening? <laughs> blue dresses, are, by the way, are clearly a thing for, for Jake and romance. We see Jenny Gildenhorn in the blue date dress. Oh, yeah. This episode. I love right? that. Like, blue dresses for this show are clearly, like, a motif of things happening. Jake likes smart women in blue dresses, apparently. Well, I mean, so does Boyle. Vivian's wearing a blue dress at the, at the party. party. Or in a, full Boyle. She's wearing a blue blouse that's very, like, lovely at one point or another. Yeah. So, yeah. Somebody like blue. Probably the costume designer. <laughs> My favorite point that you've made about the whole dancing sequence. Mm-hmm. One, I love that in interviews, Melissa Fumero's like, she was telling her parents about it, and apparently she's a dancer. Yeah. And she was like, Amy dances, and her parents are like, yay! And she's like, and she's terrible, and her parents are like, no! <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much! Because I totally get it. My parents, if they, when I would have choir concerts as a kid, if I would be like, I have a choir concert, they'd be like, yay! And I'd be like, and I don't have a solo! And they'd be like, no! <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. But my favorite thing is something that you've mentioned, because you do ballroom dance, you did ballroom dance in college, and I picked it up in my adulthood. You've said that the best test for physical compatibility is dancing. Like, y- you were saying how, like, the way that they, like, immediately fall into the step. When he decides to, like, teach her how to actually do this, he doesn't actually tell her anything. He's just like, I'm leading you now. Yeah. Well, and, like, we've, we've dissected the body language incessantly together. Mm-hmm. It's like he, they stop, he squares off with her, he pulls her closer, and they, like, and then he, he uses... He uses leading skills. Thank you, yes. In whatever magical way that happens. Right, and, it, and it's, it's a simple step. It's the song is a rumba, so they should be doing salsa, but he doesn't try to lead her through salsa step. It's a simple like side to side and uh, side basic, I guess. And she's so into it, and like his expression while they're, she's like, "Oh, this is nice," and he's like, "Yeah," and you just look at his expression. We're doing the dancing, right? And it's just like that, like that moment. You can tell it's like this is this is for him. It's like that perfect moment. And then she says, "Maybe Teddy and I should take a class." And he's like, "Yep." And it's like <laughs> glass shattering. <laughs> right, I was supposed to be on my guard. Right, right. This is the thing that's never happening. It's beautiful, and then it's like heartbreaking. This whole episode is about Jake struggling between knowing this is never going to happen and hoping it will. But that's the whole point of pining. That's literally the definition of pining. Yeah. I mean, first of all, he's so expressive all throughout this episode, and and I'm a huge fan of this, and consistently her dorkiness comes out to the forefront and he like is so endeared or charmed by it Mm -hmm. whether it's her yelling at captain holt i made me santiago and i think you're wrong and he's like oh i'm into this 
Or her being like, dance, 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 dance. He's like, you don't have to say dance every time you take a step. But look at his face when he says that. Yeah. He's like, just like, it's 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 boyfriendy almost, you know? Yeah. It's, it's endearing, or he's endeared by it. So he breaks into the office, right? That was kind of hot. Like, chunk. Like, it just like he, that drawer is opening is so loud. And he's like, yes. Voila. <laughs> and then he's like, man, I'm so glad no one saw that. <laughs> okay. Uh, but like, watch when they're walking down the hallway, which by the way, they use that weird dolly camera tracking shot from Full Boil, but like they're more in frame now, so mm-hmm. it's less awkward looking. And if you look in the background, Holt is on the cell phone. Yeah. But uh, if you watch Jake and Amy, he's like, ah, oh, I have so much great evidence. And she's like, yeah. In fact, Amy, the entire episode is like, yeah. Go do it. Don't get fired. <laughs> she's like, yeah. She's so, like, on... Compared this Amy who's working as hard as she can to make sure Jake doesn't get in trouble and can save his job against the Amy who was like, by the way, Deputy Commissioner Podolsky, I just did a 22-kilogram cocaine bust. Yeah, like... I think it was like two kilograms, 22. No, you're right. It was such a huge amount of drugs. <laughs> that is so much drugs. But that's a great comparison. <laughs> I think would freak out. Um, that's such a great comparison, right? Because there's the same focus. But now it's not... It's about his... Like, she wants him to keep his career. Because he's not a threat to her. Like, they're a team. She also likes where she is. Yeah. You know? She wants to be able to keep working cases with Jake. Yeah. I mean, with Podolsky literally there, the p- comparison is sort of not... Inescapable. Yeah, exactly. And then in the parking garage right after, you can, like... Like, Jake is genuinely freaking out. And she's like, what happened? You were fine. I don't understand. You were going to do it. <laughs> yeah. You were supposed to do the thing. What happened? And, like, you see him be like, I'm kind of freaking out. I, he told me to get me fired. I don't know what's happening. And it's like... And you just see her, and she's like... Uh, uh, uh. Why did I make this man the executor of my will? <laughs> if he's gonna get Jake fired. But the best is when Jake's like, that's one of the best crime families. And she's like, yeah. Um, she's like, I'm aware. I'm a cop. <laughs> but like, she admits that she's, because she's competitive, right? So of course she's jealous of his assignment. But I think that that's a front. Yeah. I think that's her being like, if we talk about this as just a job, then you're definitely coming back. Because mm-hmm. you'll, like, finish the job. Yeah. Instead of, like, he got himself fired at her mentor's insistence and is now going to do this really dangerous and, in, like, indefinite thing. Like, it's supposed to last six months, but who knows. Yeah. Even Jake's like, well, I can get you fired, too. I'm really good at it. <laughs> Can we can we sidebar for a second and talk about how he's clearly break like Andy Samberg is clearly like about to break when he's like and your mother and Every, your everyone mother. is like I think that Stephanie Beatrice is having the most trouble. Well, that's but in also, the office, but like when he's in the when he's in the courtroom at all points. Oh yeah, every time he's just like yelling nonsense. <laughs> My favorite thing is something you brought up like way long ago, which was that. That the yelling clearly started where we saw it start. It didn't have anything before your mother. Yeah, there was no lead up. It was just, and your mother, (laughs) and your grandmother, and your grandmother's little dog, too. Like, that's where Jake started. That's where he started insulting people. (laughs) That explains why Podolsky's response is, are you done? Oh, you're done. (laughs) 
<laughs> you can't handle the meat. God, I just, you can, like, I think they cut there because I think he just, like, lost it. Like, I love that. And then he had to do it again. No, but the thing is, if they use the take where you can pretty much see him starting to break, they, that's they the didn't best. They any better at any other point. <laughs> no, that was the best they could do. Can you imagine that? Just like he goes, and you're back. <laughs> just like dying. Yes. So, like, I think that while we're recording this, the DVDs are now available for pre-order. So by the time you listen to this, you might be able to see these deleted scenes. I hope so. Yeah. I hope there is so much, like, I don't even need them to get lines wrong. I just need them to just, like, stop and just be laughing. I think those outtakes are funnier in, like, serious shows, but, like, they're going to be good. Like, the outtake reels for Hannibal are amazing. Oh, I bet. Have you watched those? You don't even need to watch the show. (laughs) Like, there's a point where, uh, Hugh Dancy, like, someone says motive, and three people just repeat motive. Motive. He's like, motive! Good job, everyone! High five! Motive! 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 I'm out! And he, like, drops his head in front of his, like, chest doing fake gang fights. <laughs> and it's a super serious scene, they're all looking at a dead body. He's <laughs> killed in some kind of horrific Hannibal way. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. But it's also good for comedies. Well, in comedies, it's things like the Parks and Rec gag reel is hysterical because they just go off book, like. Completely. Oh, and it'll have all the like improv. All the all the like seventeen different improv takes. Yes. Well, this Parks and Rec one does, and mm. the Office ones would. I'm hoping there's some deleted scenes as well. Mm-hmm. Not shitty ones like like a pimp, but maybe good ones like the like the strip dancing. If there's not an extended version of that, like, stripper scene, I will cry. I will literally cry. I will upload a video of me being like, leave Brittany alone. <laughs> <laughs> like, being that guy. <laughs> no, okay, so. Shipping. Shipping. Let's talk about the scene. Let's we, talk about the scene. The scene. Yeah. Romantic styles. Yeah. Yeah. That is a scene where Jake is writing a bubble of courage that he's pretty sure he's never going to have again. I was going to say, there is so much, like... You see him take that, like, steadying breath right before he jumps into it, and it's like, oh, no, oh man, look at all the spine he's about to grow here. And he's, like, going through all the reasons why he shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. But, like, that's also to demonstrate that he's not trying to break up her and Teddy. It's also saying that he has no expectations. Yeah. He doesn't make it about... What she should do. Yeah. He makes it about what he needs to do so that he can go into a dangerous situation and have no regrets. Yeah. Which is still slightly shitty. But less shitty than Jim. I mean, Jim is in the office. So he's a shitbag. Like, (laughs) Jake is in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so he's less of a shitbag. As I get older, I've become less enamored with Jim Halpert. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that show in general gets harder to watch as you get older. It's so weird, though, because, like, that fandom was a large age range. Hmm. Yeah. I think it was just very 2007. Yeah. But I bring that up because right after the finale aired, a lot of people were doing gift sets comparing Casino Night, which is the Office Season 2 finale, and Jim's confession there, to Jake's confession here. Yeah. And... There's a lot of differences there. Huge amounts of differences like, there. I think the biggest difference is, like, that's in an episode where, like, she is well into the course of wedding planning, right? Yeah. Pam is basically about to be married in, like, a month. Yeah. Whereas, 
Like, Amy's been dating Teddy for a month, and said earlier in the episode, I don't know if I'm going to marry him. It's been, like, a month and a half. Yeah. She, <laughs> in that voice. Internal monologue voice. Right. But Internal monologue voice is, like, edging towards Gilbert Gottfried and Aladdin. Apparently. But also, like, the the onus of responsibility in that conversation is different, right? Yeah. Like, Jake is saying, I need to tell you this because something bad could happen, and I would be really upset if, his thing is, I'm not trying to break you guys up, but, like, because I'm going into, like, really in, an intense circumstance, like, the, we need to talk about this. No, it's not we need to talk about this. I need to talk it's, about this. I need to say this. Right. I think that's fair. And it's partially, like, I will be less likely to die if I don't have this hanging over me. Whereas with Jim, like, I think his phrasing is, I needed you to know this. Yes, it is. It is, I needed you to know this. I needed to say this just once. It's also, he, she says... Something, she's, something, she's something about being friends, and he's like, no, I don't want that. I want more than that. And that's the biggest difference between that and this, I think. Because Jake's like, I'm happy with where we are. I wish something could have happened And things have been us. going really well. Yeah. It's, I respect your relationship with Teddy, and I don't want to break that up. Something is going to happen. Like, so, Well, something might happen. Yeah. And, like, there's such a big difference between... I, I kind of wish something could happen between us romantic styles yeah. and, like, I love you. <laughs> and I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, and basically the implication, I think you should be marrying me instead of him. Yeah. That's, like, insane different. Huge difference. Jim put Pam in such a bad situation. Yeah. Like... Like, we see her later that episode, like, on the phone with her mom in tears. And it's his fucking fault. It is. I mean, a year later, she says, I called off my wedding for you. Yeah, That's... and he leaves. Jim is a fucker. Nah, I never felt that was handled well. Yeah. The the fallout from it, I meant. So basically, the takeaway from this is, good job, not that. <laughs> <laughs> so in Broken Feather, we talked about how our... The piece we forgot to mention is how our conversation there about Amy considering the relationship with Jake in the aftermath of the bet was she was open to the idea of it and she was entertaining, you know, being in a relationship with him or, like, going for it. But Jake was not on that page yet. And therefore she thought that it wasn't a possibility. She didn't have to think about it. Right, and so she closed... She mentally closed that door. Good for her. And then the door opened for Jake later. Yes. So I we what we forgot to do in that conversation was to bring it back to this episode. So we may as well do it now. Like, the reason she's so shocked in this episode... Mm-hmm. And, like, she, like, she's stunned. She's standing there, I don't know what to say, he's walking away, he's walked away. Yeah. Is, like, she thought that that was not on the table. And she moved on. Right. Like, completely. She thought it was on the table for, like, a week and a half. And then it wasn't. And she's like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. What I have instead is, is also pretty great. And if you look at her interaction with him up until he says romantic styles, it's very, like, collegial like very well like, she says like they're partners what, but but in that conversation she's also like what's happening here like she's trying to avoid reaching the conclusion of what he's saying before he says it because she thinks it's impossible i remember like part of the reason that we were having that conversation was because i had been thinking about her expressions during this scene and comparing them to how she was like kind of pushing jake and broken feather yeah yeah I don't know if they were going for that. I kind of hope so, because that's a really nice, like, small thing. But, like, it works out that way because of the arc. And and I'm super I'm super interested to see how season two shakes out, given that. 
Yeah. I'm I'm really I'm also really happy about the blocking in that scene. Yeah. Like they never touch and he keeps the box in well, front of them. He, yeah, he's got they can't touch. He's holding this giant obstacle between them and it's an and it's an object that says, I'm leaving at the end of this conversation. Mm-hmm. This is everything that was on my desk, it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it's got a little like it's a banker ex- box full of toys. It's got a little expandy ball at the Hoberman top of it. Sphere. A Hoberman sphere at the top of it. Yeah, thanks that one author. Yeah, and like She's got her bag over her shoulder ready to leave. She is leaving. Yeah, like, it's, it's the end of the day. Like, this scene couldn't end in a kiss. It's physically impossible. Yeah, the closest she comes to touching him is kind of like poking at his stuff. Yeah. And he even, like, lifts it higher on him to, like, make it, like, more obvious, like, don't touch me. More of a shield. <laughs> yeah. I'm, and then, like, he goes past her and that's it. Like, we don't even see him after that. Mm-mm. I also, like... How quickly he loses his nerve when they're distracted by, like, the police scanner. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, that's over. America needs me. Put the shield back up. That didn't work. I gotta get out yeah, of here. Yeah, he, he puts up the face and walks out. Because, like, you can also tell that, like, the face isn't working. <laughs> right. I mean, the what was it that he was saying right before right before the this radio static came in? I don't remember. I know it can't because you're with Teddy and it's going really great. But... I think he said, or he's about to say, like, but, mm-hmm. and then it stops. And then, like, either whatever he was going to say is inaccessible, or he realized it wasn't a good idea. Yeah. And then he's got to get out. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And then she got to deal with that for six months. Sitting and looking at an empty desk. Yeah, or there's, like, tall, bald Asian detective there. So let's actually, like, move into season two spec. Yeah, we're Because there. there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about that, like, builds off of this. Mm-hmm. Some of it's spoilery, some of it not. So if you are anti-spoiler, bye. It was nice talking to you. We'll see you next week. Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler noises. Spoilers. Okay, all right. <laughs> Hopefully, if you are anti-spoiler, you've left by now. If not, sorry, bro. This is it. You're, that was your last warning. So I think that all I like of, the picture of frat bros just being furious about spoilers. One of my like season two spec things is that I think all of Jake's predictions in Holt's office, the Rosa gets my locker, Charles gets my desk, Amy gets on my cases, actually just happens. I love how I love how Rosa's like sweet. <laughs> and Charles yeah. is like, I'll spit at it always. And Amy just looks at him like, Oh, thank you. Like at first you're like, Oh, that's terrible. And then you're like, wait, no, that's she's exactly gonna what do she it. wants. Yes. Think about how many solves she's gonna get. Oh my god. <laughs> she gets to prove that she can do Jake's job. And hers. Yeah. Together. But uh, I love the idea of just, like, I like the idea of all those things happening. Because we've talked before about how, like, Amy and Charles is, like, a team-up doesn't really work. And I like the idea of, like, that happening for six months, like, off-screen. Like, it, she's, like, Ugh. she's, like, so sick of working with Charles. He always wants to get weird lunches when they're off on, like, solving cases. When they're on door duty, he, like, runs away. Like, I don't know. Crazy dumb shit like that. I love the idea of, like, her and Boyle getting partnered up in the interim. Yeah. We've also talked about before about how my personal spec is we know that Teddy is sort of around until about Thanksgiving. Yeah. We know that Jake doesn't come back to a situation where Amy's broken up with Teddy. Correct. We know that Teddy Teddy's actor is at least going to be like in and out of the episodes until Thanksgiving, which is Thanksgiving this year was episode 11. And we know that the public story is that Jake was sort of summarily fired. And we also know that Teddy has been built up as this sort of like 
that he's like the Jake of the eight two. The the best detective. Uh, there, yeah. So I've suspected that he'll put in for a transfer to the nine nine. He won't get paired up with Amy because duh. It's a bad, it's a bad plan. Yeah, Terry wouldn't allow that either because we know Terry's on the Jake and Amy train. I mean, I think that, <laughs> and not even that, it would be a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah it's not a good like, idea. Like, I think that that episode, if it happens, will end with Amy saying, I need you to withdraw this. I'm not going to fill out these fraternization forms. Like, this distance is good. Or something like that. I suspected that she's he's already transferred in. Like, mm, that in maybe. the six months that he's been there, or he's been go- that Jake's been gone, Teddy's just joined up. Right? Because if Charles takes Jake's desk and Rosa takes Charles's desk, Teddy could take Rosa's old desk. And then they shift back, he just takes the desk across from Rosa. Anyway. So the way that that looks like is Jake will come back. He didn't get, like, killed or something. Because. Because it's Andy Samberg. And he, <laughs> because. Because it's the main because character. Because it's not that show. Um, you mean it's not The Wire? Fucking, this is Game of Thrones. Like, <laughs> Wait, you mean this is not The Wire? What I'm show have we sure been watching? The Wire. <laughs> what show have we been watching? We've been watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Wait, this is not The Wire? We've been watching a comedy show on Fox called Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, no. It's just set in New York and not Baltimore. I've been, I've been at the wrong show this whole time. Yes, you're fired. <laughs> um, and I think he's going to come back, like, having thought about that moment a long time and recognizing that, like... Any pressure he puts on Amy about it is going to destroy everything. So, like, he's going to be good, I think. Yeah. I I mean, I was telling, I was telling Falula Tonks that I think the bravest thing Brooklyn Nine-Nine is doing is being forced to show us what happens in the aftermath, right? Like, it's been six months, but one of the things we know from spoilers is that Jake hopes nothing's changed, right? Yeah. Everyone's had, like, time, though. And... It's going to be like Charles coming back and be like, tell me all the inside jokes. Kind of, I'm suspecting that we'll see that. But, like, the greatest robbery that The Office ever did for us was not showing us, like, what happens the next, the day after casino night, you know? We don't know if Jim moved to Stanford, like, the next day or, like, the next month or did he go to Australia? Like, we don't know any of that bullshit. But with Brooklyn Nine-Nine... He's like, I wish something could have happened between us romantic styles. Okay, I'm not allowed to have any contact. Bye. And that's just, like, hanging there, right? Yeah. And so he has to come back and sit across from Amy and look at her every day and get partnered up with her on door duty and bullshit like that and be like, and I told her I liked her. And I told her I liked her. And, like, also, that was six months ago. Yeah. And, like, he probably doesn't know if he still likes her. He hasn't seen her for six months. He hasn't talked to her at all. Literally, yeah. I didn't handle that well when it happened to me. People handle it different ways. Yeah. Like, I think that Jake will be surprised that, like, his feelings have not been eroded. But yeah, I think he's probably going to handle it surprisingly well. Because he's been handling the entire process surprisingly well. Yeah. Well, he's kept it internalized, right? And not let it, like, explode out of him the way Charles does. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, we know other things, right? Like, we know that Eva Longoria comes to guest star, and I think she and Jake have a, like, moment. She's like a lawyer or something. Yeah. I think who, she's a defense attorney, and who he's is, clearly a witness for the prosecution. Yeah, so they're opposed. <laughs> yeah, but I also think, like, I think we're going to get, like, romantic tension there. Probably. For a couple episodes. She's around for, like, two or three episodes, so there's no reason not to. 
we know that they're filming her episodes right now, so it's probably like episode five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. We also know that Teddy's around until probably like episode ten or eleven. Yeah, and just given that these things, like, there's no reason not to. We know that Jake is super supportive of Teddy and Amy. Yeah, and I think that Amy's strategy is probably going to involve, like... Avoidance? Yeah, trying to pretend that nothing has happened. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see her as being the confrontational one. And I think she might actually brainwash herself pretty well. I think she could talk herself into anything. So. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited for that. My parade yesterday said something that I thought was really cool, which was that we've kind of been sort of inside Jake's head a lot this season. I I think she's right in that we're going to get more of, like, Amy's in, inner monologue feelings life. Yeah, all of her, like, life events happen offstage when, and we learn about them when Jake does. Basically uniformly. Which yeah. is, you know, I think they're going to give her a lot more interiority. I think they're going to show her relationship with Teddy happening, actually. Yeah. Like, scenes with just them outside, like, more than one feet from Jake's desk. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I was thinking about that because I was like, I feel like I can, I have a better sense of, like, Rosa's interiority than I have of Amy's. Sometimes. I mean, on some issues. Yeah. On big stuff, you know. So I'm I'm hoping we get more sort of of Amy's inner self or just like her relationship with Teddy and how that looks like really mm-hmm. as opposed to like no no let me make sure we can go to the Berkshires this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the smartest things you've said ever is that while Jake and Amy are going to be sort of like in this like pining but kept apart situation, Boyle and Gina are going to be the driving sexual tension for the show. Like they're always going to be about 5 seconds away from falling into bed. Also, I'm glad I mean, that this was, is the smartest thing I've ever said. You've ever said about the show? Did I need to add that extra Maybe. prepositional I phrase? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Did you really need that? Anyway, anyway. I do like that idea, though. And I think the previews we've been seeing for season one, or season two's first episode. Like, we've seen them having an argument about their relationship and how they're going to present it. Yeah. I think that Gina's don't touch me now or maybe ever again. That indicates very strongly to me that either they've had sex since or are going to, like, 30 minutes after that scene. <laughs> I do love that the Boyle's like, oh, yeah, I am going to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think they've been hooking up all summer. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Yeah. They might be lying about it to themselves. but About, like, the circumstances Like, they won't that? even say that in the office or something, right? Like... They're, they're okay with maybe being overheard that they had a one-night stand, but not that they've been hooking up all summer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't wait to find out who told Gina that Jake was undercover. Like, you know she figured it out. Whether she, like, beat it out of Boyle or, like, tricked Amy into telling her. Or with, like, tapping Holt's phone. <laughs> Just, like, listening in on his office conversations. Yeah. Making Amy read lips for her. <laughs> Some nonsense. Or just, like, you know terrifyingly i mean there's like a 70 percent chance that it was Boyle. yeah like who's the next weakest link it's terry or amy probably amy yeah amy's a much weaker link than terry rose is not gonna say anything no but like these people already know too much about her life there's a like 70 percent chance that Boyle broke down in tears and explained everything or was just easily intimidated. Like, him trying to explain why this happened the morning after. Like, this might have happened the morning after they hooked up. Probably. God, who knows. I just, I, I'm, I'm excited to see, because Gina's the only one who should have, well, I guess, 
Besides Scully and Hitchcock. Yeah, but we don't like them. <laughs> we don't care about them. They could be told and then still not know. <laughs> somebody, I saw somebody joke about how Scully would think it's that Jake was in a coma like he was. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> Jake's been gone. <laughs> <laughs> we know Kyra Sedgwick is on. Kira Sedgwick? As, like, a rival. Yeah. I really want her and Holt to be sort of, like, their era Jake and Amy. Because we've seen constantly that... You mean Hotshot Competitive Partners? Yeah. And obviously it had the romantic tension go in a very different way. (laughs) For obvious reasons. Like, well, he's got a man. (laughs) Maybe. But, like, he was out for the vast majority of his tenure. Although, actually, I guess he was... No, he had, like, 15 years where he was in the closet, so never mind. Yeah, or just, like, not open about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to see Holt and Kira Sedgwick in 70s era, like, polyester, like, being, like, partners on the beat together, and, like, snappy banter, like, romantic tension, UST. And, okay. And just, like, have it be, like... The throwback, because we, we already see constantly Holt being like, when I was your age, Jake, I was terrible like you are, and so it changed everything about myself. He also knows very well that straight women want him. I would love for his experiences with, uh, detect- or, I guess- Detective Kyra Sedgwick? <laughs> it's Wunch. Wunch? That's her name tag. It's- Wunch? <laughs> yeah, W-U-N-T-C-H. That's, that's gonna last. Wunch. Wunch. Uh, with then Detective Wunch being like contentious, but like she keeps flirting, he's being like, nope. Well, he keeps like not responding, mm-hmm. right? Like sometimes I feel like Jake and Amy are like that. Jake's like flirtation. Jake uses flirtation, and Amy's like ah, <laughs> but it failed. <laughs> or it's not very effective. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm really glad we're using Pokemon again. Other spec for this season. So things I want to see. I really want to see Holt and Rosa pair up again. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there were some parallels in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like the burning things. <laughs> uh, the, just generally, I think that she's going further along the leader track. I would like to see that developed. Mm-hmm. I would like not to let that fall to the side. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know more about Rosa's actual life. Like, I think that character is underused. I think I, I agree. I think I think Rosa could be doing more. I would like to see Terry also get more of a role. Um, I'd like to see an explicit Terry Amy pair up like case episode. Like yeah. they have a B plot where they're solving a murder or something, mm-hmm. drugs, gym trading, whatever. And I want to see more Amy Rosa. But we always want to see more Amy Rosa. Yeah. And bonus Gina. Why not? I would also like to see more Holt and Gina. But like, what I want is for Amy to have the main case in an episode. The A-plot, basically? Yeah, or, like, the most important case. Like, have her be doing the most important thing. Yeah. I would also like to see... Like, every time we've seen Amy and Jake on a case together, it's been kind of obvious Jake's been the primary. Like, he's been making the decisions. Right. I'd like to see Amy explicitly being told, you're the primary on this case, you do it. Mm -hmm. The way we saw with Boyle. I would also like to see that be a reflection of Jake's growth, where he's, like, a better primary... Or secondary. secondary. Yeah. And uh, one thing that I'm going to hope for, but no, I'm not going to get, is I want to see some emotional fallout from Jake being undercover as himself. Like, okay, fine. They're not going to go full departed, as I've joked with you before. But I also would like to see that, like, you know, it's not 
One of the other really smart things I felt you said about the second season is that Jake's sort of mask, and I'm using scare quotes, when he's undercover is, because he's himself, is not going to be the more mature version that we're seeing in the finale. It's that super immature version we saw earlier on in season one. And we've seen that in the previews. Right. To a certain extent. Yeah. His fake fight with Boyle is just fucking hysterical. And and I think you were right about that, and I'm really glad you were right about that. But I would also like to see that, you know, being undercover with the mafia kind of left some, like, lingering, like, moments. And he's... It, is an ongoing danger for him, right? Like, yeah. there's a bunch of mafiosos who now know his name and face. Yeah. Hopefully most of them got arrested. Well, we know one... Do- we know the part of the reason in the premiere episode, the plot is that he has to go find the last remaining outstanding mobster. Oh. So he did quite well. Yeah. Extra spoiler alert, it's Jenny Slate. We know from preview pictures she holds a gun up against... Who's uh, Jenny Slate? She's the dark-haired... Oh, um... She played... Who is the actor, or what is her role? Uh, who is the actor? Ginny Slate is an ex-Saturday Night Live player. Uh, she is she's currently starring in an indie film called Obvious Child. She played, if you ever saw the Lonely Island video for I Threw It on the Ground, she plays Andy Samberg's character's girlfriend in that video. Okay. She's also Mona Lisa Saperstein. Oh, okay. She's awful. <laughs> Well, that, that Mona character... Mona Lisa is awful. <laughs> yeah. Jenny All Saperstein's are awful. <laughs> the worst! <laughs> They're the worst. It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful how bad they are. But she's going to be playing a mafia princess. Mm. And uh, <laughs> extra spoiler alert, we know from pictures that she's the last mobster standing. Cool. She pretends to help Jake root out the last mobster, and in but turn, it was her. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because we know this because she brandishes a pistol at Jake, and I think Boyle maybe, while like while like wearing like a tight dress, then like running away. I don't know. Like there's there's clearly some staging there. I think when we saw she'd been cast, a lot of people were like, "Oh, she's gonna like Jake will come back with a girlfriend. It'll be Jenny Jenny Slate." And uh, I'm being like, "This is not gonna be Jenny Slate." It's not. It might be Ava Longoria. <laughs> I mean, they, uh, like, it is possible that they dated during that, like, sting operation. Oh, yeah. Although, that would be pretty ballsy. <laughs> but I guess he might not have known she was a mafia princess? I don't know. I think we know that she was part of the family, but maybe not, like, that knowingly part of the family. Right. A lot of times in mafia... Women are usually kept out. Yeah. Yeah. You know that we know that from the Sopranos and the Godfather. Other things I wanna see? I wanna see one of Amy's brothers this season. At least. I hope it's Tyler Posey. I know you hope it's Tyler Posey. He deserves so much better than Teen Wolf. Tyler Posey's a gift. I also hope we see I know we see Boyle's dad and Gina's mom. And I hope we see Jake's mom. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope she's British. I really want her to be Emma Thompson. She's not British. I don't care. I really hope it's Emma Thompson. If she were British, she could do a British accent. <laughs> we talked about this. I remember this. I'm having deja vu right now. He, she cannot be British. That will never happen, my American friend. She cannot be British. I would almost love that he that that his mom is British and that makes it harder for him to do an actual British accent. Yeah. She's like, 
where are you from? Like, she's, like, mad about it because English accents are very regional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, that's why he can't do it is because his mom keeps being like, no, it needs to be more northern. No, it needs to be more southern. No, it needs to be more London. You're just from somewhere else every word. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, but we've already got one Pygmalion show on TV. <laughs> I also hope we see um, Kyle Secor as some guest, whether that's, like, Holt's ex-partner or, like... An ex, one of the people from PR. That would be great. And I hope we see Brian Jensen again. Which one is he? Aglinikapa. Oh, right. Brian Jensen, yes. And Savant. Brain, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Savant needs to come back. Savant absolutely needs to come back. Any other, anyone else? Isaac, you obviously want. Tall, bald Asian detective. I would be, I would love for him to have a fucking line. Just for you, Carl. (laughs) He's not going to have a line. I, I hope we don't see Fire Marshal Boone again. But I do hope we get. Yeah, you know we're going. I think that's actually been confirmed. That he's, that, he's, the, that he's going to be somewhere. Yeah, he so. is, because Terrell Owens is on the show. By the mm. way, Terrell Owens is actually super funny. He was on Go On, and he was fucking hilarious, so I'm really excited for him to guest. Cool. Uh, any other spec or, like, things we want to see? Uh, that about wraps it up for me. Yeah, me too. Oh, well, if we think of more, we've done an ask about some of our spec and, like, hopes. And feel free to, like, ask us if we suspect anything about, if we've missed a character or a plot line that you're interested in. Send it in. But aside from that, thanks for a great first season of Back in the Field, you guys. Yeah, it's been really fun doing this. Um, we're probably going to shake things up a little for season two. Uh, yeah. We'll find out how we do that, when we do that. Yeah. Yeah, should be good. And special shout out to football, which Brooklyn Nine-Nine is going to make me watch with this new schedule. <laughs> which Brooklyn Nine-Nine is maybe going to get preempted for with this new schedule. I have actually planned to watch more football this, this year. Good for you. <laughs> I'm hoping that... I'm tired of being the least sports competent male in the world. I'm I'm excited that Brooklyn Nine Nine moving to Sundays means I'm actually going to go to the gym on Sundays. <laughs> cool. That's that's my that's my life. Also, our release schedule is changing. We've been releasing at eight thirty on Monday mornings, but the show airs now on Sunday nights. That's a bit tight. That's never going to happen. We I like, have a job on Monday mornings. I have a job on Monday mornings. So instead, our release schedule is changing. We're now going to be going from Mondays at eight thirty to Fridays at eight thirty. So this will be the longest you guys have gone without Back in the Field for a while. I'm so scared. Of we our, can do it. Of the release schedule? Yeah. We hope as we move into the more experimental phase of Back in the Field, you guys stick with us. You know, there's We're learning how to do this as you guys are learning how to listen to us. Whatever. Your well, job is easier. <laughs> your job is a lot easier. We're a little bit envious. So anyway... We hope you stay patient with us, is basically what I'm saying, because it's a learning process, and we love doing this, and we're committed to it, so yeah, it's a labor of love. So with those new, new Year's resolutions, it's been great. New um, Season's resolutions? From all of us, which are two of us, to all of you, which is more than two of you, <laughs> I'm, I'm Carl. My name is Arthi, and we will see you next week with Season 2. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.